You are listening to the Toxic Mold Podcast with Steve Worsley, the toxic mold expert and your number one source for mold consulting and mitigation in the USA. Let's dive into a brand new episode. Before we get started on this episode, here's a not so short disclaimer. While all attempts have been made to verify the content provided in this podcast, neither the podcaster or the producers assume any responsibility for errors, omissions, or alternative interpretations of the issues discussed here. All information stated in this podcast is the opinion of Steve Worsley. Steve Worsley is a mold specialist with over 25 years of experience in the construction and mold industry. The Toxic Mold Podcast is for information sharing purposes only. The views expressed are those of the podcaster and his alone. These views should not be taken as expert instruction or commands. While there may be references to medical conditions and symptoms, all podcast episodes are the opinion of Steve Worsley and any medical questions or concerns shall be addressed with the appropriate licensed medical professional or professionals. As the podcaster refers to different mold types, please be aware that Steve Worsley is not a microbiologist and questions concerning mold specifics should be answered by the appropriate professional. Steve isn't nor does he offer any legal advice. For any legal advice, you must speak with a lawyer. The listener is 100% responsible for his or her own actions. You can check out Steve's books on Amazon. Just go to Amazon and search for author Steve Worsley. You can also take Steve's courses on Udemy or Skillshare, and you can find out more about those at cnccontractorservices.com. Now, let's get to the episode. Hello, you're listening to the Toxic Mold Podcast with myself, Steve Worsley. Today, we have my wife, Cassandra, with us. So thanks for coming in for a few episodes, five, ten? A few. (laughs) Okay. Well, that's kind of vague, but anyhow, we appreciate having you here. As I say every time, I'm sure the listeners uh, enjoy somebody that can ask questions that I don't think about, and anyhow, it's good to have you. Awesome. Good to be here. So today is episode 232, and today's topic is how poor ventilation leads to black mold in a home. So when you hear the term ventilation, Cassandra, what does that make you think of just from someone, I guess you're mold literate, but not a mold specialist. Uh, how air gets in and how air gets out. Okay. That's what I think of. Yeah. So, yeah, you know, when you say that, it, it, it kind of reminds me of, you know, when I wrote The Mold Epidemic, the first book, the reason I say that we're having the mold epidemic is a lot of it is, is obviously lack of ventilation. You know, you think about, well, even as kids... Um, but, you know, our ancestors, not going back to cave people, but just even two or three decades ago, we didn't have central air. So they opened their windows all the time and got lots of ventilation in their home. That's true. And I guess to me, that's, you know, one of the reasons we have the mold epidemic. But I guess my point is, is we live in homes these days that are somewhat sealed up. And that's how they're designed with central air. But on the other hand, it's it's causing, it's not just mold issues. We have radon, uh, VOCs, um, things like that. So anyhow, um, a lot of that does, if you had proper ventilation, it's the same thing with radon. If you had proper ventilation, you wouldn't have elevated radon levels. Well, and I think a lot of people, like myself, assume that 
the air quality inside a house because it's closed up always stays the same. And clearly, as we look at the readings that you see on that left machine thing, I notice that that's not true. Yeah. The air quality inside an enclosed space changes daily. Yeah. yeah so for our listeners, just so you understand uh, what Cassandra just mentioned, it's it's called Luft. It's a oh, Ger- Luft, It's a German. It's, it's spelled it. L-U-F-T, but the U has like these two dots above it. Mm-hmm. I don't know what they call that. You're way oh, more educated yeah, I don't than know. me. That is German, though. Yeah, those two dots. Yeah. There's not a special are. name for that U? I, I have no <laughs> idea. But yeah, I call it Lufty. Yeah. Uh, but anyhow, what she's talking about is, is uh, it's the same company that I use for my radon detectors or my radon machine, CRMs, continuous radon monitors. And anyhow, it's this thing that you plug into the wall and it measures. I wasn't expecting you to bring this up. So uh, I'll try to remember everything it measures, but it, of course, measures radon, um, which is very important. It measures um, ECO2, which is not carbon monoxide, carbon dioxide. Um, it measures the VOCs, the air pressure, the temperature, and the humidity. So for our listeners, there's six different things that it measures. Um, it's a device that you plug into your wall. You um, having a loss of words here. You you hook it to the internet. Is it Bluetooth? That's what yes, I'm trying. Yes, it's Bluetooth. I'm looking, yeah. I can't get the right word. But anyhow, you Bluetooth it um, to your internet, or no, you hire well, you 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 connect it to your internet. As all you listeners can tell, I'm not very tech savvy. You connect it to your in- internet, and then you Bluetooth it to your phone, and so, like Cassandra was saying, what we did, we were having, um, it was red all the time, and we had it in the basement, which is where you should measure for radon, but we were getting high VOCs and high um, the ECO2s, yep. so I moved it up to the main level to see, and it's it's starting to come back with higher readings, and so when you see it, you you pay more attention to it than I do, which is probably not a good thing if I'm the indoor air quality guy. But anyhow, it tracks everything, and so you can go into your app on your phone, and it literally shows a graph of everything. And yeah, and I think in, in this show notes or in the comments, you'll put a link to yes. where people can learn more about the Luft yeah. thingy. Because I think what it's showing me just by us having it in our home, which is a relatively brand new construction. Yeah, yeah, yeah it's literally a year and a half yeah, old. Yeah, it's a brand new home that... So many of us think that, well, I have a brand new home, I have, you know, central air, we have, uh, what do you call those units in, in bathrooms? You have the... The fans. The, the fans, fans. Like, mm-hmm. so all of those things, especially in a newer home, it keeps the air circulating the way it needs to circulate. And my therefore, my indoor air quality should be amazing because all the systems work. Yes. But going back to what you're saying, you just mentioned that before that. The problem is, is if you have dirty airs, what I'm going to call it, VOCs, um, radon, um, we, we talked about ventilation and this is where the home being closed up, it changes it. Because even if it's radon levels, and I, I don't want to get down the radon rabbit hole, but even mold, ventilation is great, but in our homes, we're actually recirculating the dead or the, not the dead air, but the, I was going to say dead mold spores, but it's the dormant mold spores that can actually be kicked up. And I'm not saying you recirculate the dirty air per se, because it runs through a filter. But if people aren't changing out their furnace filters or the HVAC filters, you're literally recirculating the dirty air. So I, sorry to interrupt you, but that's it It reminded me of what you said right before you brought up the Luft, that 
It's just recirculating the air in the home. Correct. And I think that's what most people don't get. The composition of your air in your home changes all the time. And if you never really open windows, if you're not bringing out new air, then what you're circulating is whatever has been in the house. And if it's dirty air, you're circulating dirty air. Yep. And it's it's crazy because um, one of the most common things that gets brought up when it comes to mold concerns, you know, I mentioned dormant or dead mold spores. And I hope our listeners know when I say dead, I, mold spores are never really dead. They're just dormant. But but people ask all the time, like when it comes to testing and we've done podcast episodes about it, why is it that we don't only do air testing? And I, I prefer to do tape lifts with air testing. And the reason why I tell them is, is because based on the air pressure and the pressurization of a home, the mold spores that are in the air could change from from hour to hour. And a lot of that's based on the HVAC system, barometric pressures, which the barometric pressures, obviously they drop when a storm comes in and barometric pressures obviously change the way the air is moving throughout your home. Going back to radon, radon comes up through your soils. So it all is, it's all intertwined together. And that's why that Luft monitor, which is interesting because, you know, we've been talking about it. I, what I'm going to do, just so our listeners know, I am going to reach out to Luft. It's, you know, Sun Radon. And I will, I, I, they have already offered to be a guest on the podcast. We'll get them on the podcast as a guest so that they can explain more of their side of the things. But that's why what they have created in that monitor is awesome because it does measure the, the air pressures and the, the, the uh, humidity for, so when it comes to mold and air quality, that's what we care about. They, they didn't create this for, for mold per se. This is more for, for radon, but it does monitor those different things, which going back to what we're talking about, is all intertwined. And so with ventilation, if you're always ventilating the same air per se, and it's only running through your HVAC filter, that's not the most ideal thing to have. Like fresh air, even in the middle of the winter, is just, it's it's a good idea. Exactly. Just to crack open a few windows. We do it. We were just telling the listeners that our Luft keeps showing red. If we had better circulation of the air from the outside, I believe it would totally change what those numbers are saying. Yes, and I also think if we didn't have an 85-pound dog knocking into the screen door to the backyard, we'd also probably have a little better ventilation Yeah, because we'd have that screen door open more than we have. Yeah, yeah. Our, our, we have a black lab, and uh, we decided to... Uh, we kept the screen door open, but we have a walking path behind our house, and he freaked out and messed up our screen door on the sliding door. <laughs> yeah, so we door, haven't so. opened that door since that moment. But even if, you know, for our listeners, even if you open up, you know, just a, a window screen. That, my point is, is recirculating the air is obviously good, but if you're recirculating dirty air, it's not really doing any good. Yeah, so. and when it comes to ventilation, I think looks can be deceiving. You can think that, well, my idea of dirty air is, you know, when there's smoke, in the kitchen, or I would smell something if there was dirty air is quiet. You're yes. not going to know that it's dirty unless you have a luft or you have something that monitors right. the system. Yep. Yeah. And it, you know, it's a good, that's a good example. If you don't have an air purifier to actually clean the air, that smelly air, if it's obviously ventilation really helps, but let's just say it's something's rotting in a closet it's not going to clean that air for the most part. If you turn a fan on, it's just going to spread all the spores around. So 
it's interesting that we 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 talk about it that way, and that's why to me it's very important to have proper ventilation. And the the good thing about proper ventilation, like the type of ventilation we're going to talk about is, is the ventilation like an exhaust fan. So that exhaust fan actually sucks the air out in the room it's in and dumps it outside, Mm -hmm. which it should be dumping it outside. That's a, we'll touch on that to make sure our, our listeners understand, but it's very important with exhaust fans that the termination point of that fan is outside. It's like a dryer vent. If that dryer vent terminates in a crawl space or in an attic or a garage, you're just taking that humid air and and dumping it somewhere else in the home versus if you run it to the exterior, it goes out and can dissipate and do what it does. What do you say to people who live in, in places with a lot of pollution like New York City or L.A., lots of smog, and their take is... I keep all my doors and windows closed because the air in L.A. is so nasty and dirty. What do you say to that? Well, I think what you'd have to do at that point is more of an exhaust fan to suck air out uh, where it should be. And, and, and that would be like in a bathroom. But for people like that, and it's interesting because I don't I don't really think about that because, you know, I know in Salt Lake, the, the air is getting... It's worse than when I grew up there, but Wyoming, it's, we don't have air quality issues for the most part, but all I, in my opinion, the best thing you could do is do the air monitoring system and, and our listeners don't have to go buy a Luft that's, you know, several hundred dollars. They can actually just monitor the humidity levels. But on top of that, I would recommend an air purifier. Air purifiers, obviously, depending on the size, the model, that would be better than just opening a door or not a door, but like in New York City, a window. But do you think, I mean, so this leads to the question of where should you be checking for proper ventilation? So should air purifiers be in every room? Do you want proper ventilation in every room? Or are there certain rooms where you're like, it must, this room must have good ventilation and air purifiers? So to answer the question and not answer it, like every area of a home should be properly ventilated. Okay. That's a Totally vague answer. I'm sure listeners are like, well, that didn't help much. But keep in mind that there are areas like your kitchen that the air in the kitchen's probably as far as stagnant and mold, I wouldn't be as concerned. The air in the kitchen's going to be from odors. So VOCs is, is, a, is a bigger concern like a kitchen. But you have a laundry room, which is where a washer and dryer are. You have a washing machine that actually has water source to it. So it, it Anything that has a water source is introducing humidity to the air. Plus, on top of that, you have a dryer. If your dryer vent's not attached properly, you're increasing the humidity in there. So areas that are smaller, like a laundry room, a bathroom, crawl spaces, mechanical rooms. Now, a mechanical room doesn't typically have an exhaust fan in there. And so for all our listeners, when I refer to a mechanical room, I'm typically talking about the area where your furnace and your water heater is. Mm-hmm. It's a... Back in the day, and I say back in the day, you know, we used to for carbon monoxide concerns. So that's the uh, fumes from gas powered. I'm not sure the right word, but uh, appliances that are that use gas. So a furnace, um, a water heater. Anyhow, back in the day, the exhaust for those were passive. Hmm. And so they weren't piped and sealed. They were just passive. And naturally, because of the stack effect, it would suck that air and take it outside. Nowadays, we have sealed systems. So it's not as much of a concern. But anyhow, when I say back in the day, 
there were louvered doors and ways to circulate the air in there. Whereas these days you don't have that. So going back to your question, every room in the house I'd be concerned about, but the main areas, kitchen, laundry room, bathroom, mechanical room, crawl space, and attic. Okay. So those are the key areas. Now in those key areas, the kitchen, the laundry room, the bathroom, the mechanical room, the crawl space, and the attic, should there be like a, what is in the bathroom? Again. An exhaust fan. An exhaust fan in those rooms, especially. Um, So a kitchen usually will have the exhaust fan in the microwave or a hood. Okay. When I say microwave, it's if there's a microwave above the stove. Uh, those are usually ductless, so it's it just uses its own, like, charcoal filters. Um, some, like, hoods that are in uh, higher-end kitchens, and even some with microwaves, they're vented to the exterior but like a mechanical room typically is not going to have a, an exhaust fan mounted in there. Now, every bathroom should have one. We've seen bathrooms in brand new construction that don't. Exactly. And a window does not necessarily compensate for <laughs> a an exhaust fan, right? Yes. Yeah, so okay. it's funny you bring that up. So for our listeners, uh, Cassandra actually went with me on a new construction inspection I did in Salt Lake City. And brand new construction, never been lived in. Over a million dollar home, which isn't much for Utah. Utah's getting expensive. But anyhow, there was no exhaust fan in the bathroom. It was a huge bathroom, but there was a window. So to answer your question, per current code, a bathroom either has to have an openable window or an exhaust fan. And I don't believe an exhaust fan should ever be skipped. Every bathroom should have an exhaust fan because... In this specific bathroom, remember there was a window up above the shower stall, mm -hmm. and it was a big shower stall. But for our listeners, how many of you open a window in your bathroom? Yeah, no. When you're using it, you don't. You don't. No. Like so, for all our listeners, make sure even if it's brand new construction that there is an exhaust fan in there in the bathroom. And it's very important to make sure it's the proper size. Um, so when we talk about exhaust fans, CFMs is cubic feet per minute. That's how it's measured, how much air it's moving. They should be about 120 CFMs, which is on the higher end. A higher upgraded exhaust fan, so for our listeners that are going to you know, remodel their bathroom or even just put a, an exhaust fan in there, you might be looking, I mean, you can get a, an exhaust fan with a light in it and 120 CFM, and it has a Bluetooth speaker in it for $200. Yeah. And that $200 is way cheaper than mold mitigation. So it's well worth it. What are some signs in a bathroom that a person would know off the bat? I probably don't have a good enough exhaust fan. Uh, so we, we talk about this often about the difference between when you shower versus mm -hmm. when I shower. You like long, hot showers. Yep. I'm sure a lot of our listeners have what we have. It's pretty much endless hot water because it's an instant water heater, which for condensation, that's not good. But, you know, when you when you shower, you actually leave the fan running for 15, 20 minutes later. But how do we know when you shut it off? Well, it's the condensation we see on the mirrors. Mm -hmm. And so that's the easiest way to tell. Okay. We also have a humidity gauge in our bathroom. Do you ever monitor that? Sometimes, but it's pretty high until a while after I get out. Right. And, and so for our listeners, I guess my point is, is if you know how long you, your spouse, your kids you know how long they're showering or bathing. And if they're if they're taking long showers, and it doesn't have to be a long shower. It can be a short one, but really hot. If there is condensation on the mirror, 
you're not getting the proper circulation in there. And it doesn't mean that they can't take a a longer shower. Just make sure you, once you're done, you leave the fan on and you open a door and get that air circulating. Okay. So it's, to me, it's simple. Yeah. And so, the, the humidity, sorry, the, the humidity should be below 60%. Okay. That's so, what I wanted to tell the listeners. So, so then obviously that kind of leads into your call to action for people. Install a humidity gauge <laughs> in your bathroom and make sure that the humidity stays below 60%. Absolutely. So pretty simple. We have an email list that we've talked about in the past. You can go to our website and sign up. It's the mold fact sheet, mold investigation checklist. We're actually for... All you listeners, Cassandra actually has me working on right now a new, maybe you can explain a what it is. A new educational series that that's only going to come to your inbox. It won't be on Facebook. It won't be on Instagram. A new educational series of emails that will give you mold education. Yeah. and it, But it's a... Like it's scheduled. Yeah. So you'll you'll get a number of emails over a long period of time that will give you way more education than, than you might find anywhere else. So it's worth making sure you're on the email list. Okay. So what about our listeners that are already on the list? Because you told me. Yes. They'll they'll get the new emails that are going to be scheduled. They'll okay. get the new emails. They'll get the scheduled. Yes. Just make sure you're on the list. Okay. Perfect. So for all you listeners, make sure you go to our website, cnccontractorservices.com. There's a page where you can sign up for the email list. Um, and if you if you ever have any questions, you can always send an email to us at info at cnccontractorservices.com. But thanks for listening. Thanks for being here, Cassandra. Have a wonderful day. Thank you for listening to this episode. Make sure you go to our website at cnccontractorservices.com and sign up for the mold investigation checklist. Again, go to cnccontractorservices.com and get your free mold investigation checklist today. You can also on cnccontractorservices.com find out more about Steve's courses and books and consultations. Once again, go to cnccontractorservices.com.